future is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. 15 minutes of crypto value. My name is Charles Story. I'll be your host for the next 15 minutes. We're coming live from the city of London, Shoreditch. So let's get down to business. For the new listeners out there, welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. It's great to have you here. For our regular listeners, you know who you are. It's great to have you back as well. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. It means a lot to us here at SVK Crypto. Put a smile on our face, man. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's a Friday. It's the afternoon. It's the, well, it's nearly the evening now, man. That's what we do each and every day. We always deliver. And we have an action-packed show for you today. So with that in mind, let me talk about what's in store. We're going to be speaking about what's been going down this week. We're going to be speaking about the EOS referendum, why that is so important, and what it is if you haven't had the opportunity to be brought up to speed on that yet. Perfect. This is the place. We're also going to be discussing some other general market news. We're going to be discussing Bitmain CEO leaving. We're going to be speaking about EOS Bet, the exciting exclusive update that they have just put out. So we're going to be going over that and what that really means for all EOS token holders. If you hold EOS, you need to know that. That's key. It's crucial. Make sure that you do. We're also going to be discussing is China to regulate blockchain as well. So it's kind of a week in review, lots of different stories, lots of different talking points. We're going to have a few different people from the office kind of joining in. In, adding their two cents to the situation as well. It's going to be super exciting. I'm really excited to try this new formula on you guys. So if you enjoyed today's show, let us know. The best place to do that is our Telegram, which is SVK Crowd. And if you haven't already, you know what to do. Join up now. If you're not in, you're out and you don't want to be out. So let's go. Let's make that happen. Um, anything that you want to add, anything you want us to discuss next week, feel free to hit up myself or any of the team as well. And if you really have something that you want us to, f- to focus on, to really double down on or a question, feel free to email myself, cstory, C-S-T-O-R-R-Y at svkcrypto.com. So with that in mind, let's get down to business. So let's talk about Bitmain. Bitmain is one of the largest mining operators on the Bitcoin network and also on the Bitcoin Cash network. They also sell the technology or the chips to mine Bitcoin um, as well. So they sell the application-specific integrated circuit chips for mining machines, right? So very, very powerful, very influential. So the CEO, Jihan Wu, it looks like he has resigned. There hasn't been any official word from Bitmain, but sources at the company have validated that claim. Um, it looks like back in 2018, in November, it was reported that Jihan Wu was demoted from director to supervisor. Also in last December, so 2018, reports broke out in Chinese media of the imminent resignation of both Wu and Zan, who were both the founders. Jihan Wu was a founder along with McCree Zan. So let's get down to business. Like why, why would this resignation matter? Well, I really believe it's to do with the sell-off we've been seeing recently in the market. I think that has a lot to do with the news going on over a bit, Mame. But let's look into what went down, right? So that's what, why it's important. Why did it go down? So under... Jihan Wu's control, Bitmain ended up selling a lot of the Bitcoin they had been accumulating for Bitcoin Cash. At one stage, they owned 1 million Bitcoin Cash coins, right? Like that's a lot. And it's the same as Bitcoin. There's 21 million available. So that works out that Bitmain owned 4% of the entire supply of Bitcoin Cash. 
So why did they do that? Well, one of the reasons is they had more control over the Bitcoin Cash network. They could control um, what what was going on. They had more say, uh, unlike Bitcoin, where they didn't have as much say in the network. Yes, they were one of the biggest miners. Yes, they had... Um, led a lot of conversations in regards to whether it's going to fork, whether it's not, and they were very crucial and their opinion matters. But Bitcoin Cash, they had a chance to really take control of something. Even though it's fully decentralized, they had a lot of coins, they had a lot of the mining power. So that meant, right, that they had a lot of control over it. So what does this all mean? Well, what's been happening over at Bitmain is they've been artificially rising the price of Bitcoin Cash. And like a central bank does, they've been pegging it, right? So they're range bound. So what's been happening is Bitmain has been buying a lot of Bitcoin cash, as, as, as we know. But that is pretty liquid. So they're in a situation now where they own a lot of it. But most of the liquidity was from them buying it. That's what grew that market. But now they're one of the biggest holders out there. They are the biggest holder of Bitcoin Cash out there. And now they want to kind of, well, what are they going to do? They're going to get out that market. It turns out that wasn't the best decision to do. The board are very upset with that decision and are basically being like, hey, listen, you've, you've got us into Bitcoin Cash. This thing isn't as good as Bitcoin. We're not as comfortable. We're out of pocket massively as a private entity for that. So what we saw last year was the announcement that Bitmain was going to have an IPO. And one of the reasons or rumors going around is the fact that they needed more cash to keep on pegging up Bitcoin cash. And one of the reasons that um, Jihan Wu has, has, has had to leave the operation is because he was unsuccessful in raising that. And, you know, one of the reasons you can't really blame him was because the market conditions, uh, the market started going down. It, it became less attractive. I believe they had one of the biggest IPOs in tech history planned out. Um, so, you know, it was bigger than Facebook's original IPO as well. I mean, what they were planning was huge because with what they were doing with Bitcoin Cash was unsustainable. Like, it took a lot of cash to do that. So that that leads us to um, the resignation of Jihan Wu. So, you know, they're probably in a situation now whereby they want to change direction. I'm going to go back to what they originally were doing, mining a lot of Bitcoin, doing extremely well, you know, believe a lot in the technology, believe in Bitcoin, really want to be part of that instead of kind of changing course to Bitcoin Cash. And, you know, are still serious about an IPO. So maybe they want to get someone with a lot more experience um, in, in raising capital, someone who can take the company really to the, the next stage. So it's really it's been really interesting in the markets to see this come through. Um, Bitcoin Cash itself, I mean, you know, if you, if you take a look at it at this, at this current point in time, currently trading at $130, uh, market cap at $2.3 billion, volume is $248 million. And, you know, if we look at the amount of coins that are in circulation, you know, you, we have 17,560,000, right? So, like, out of the max 21 million, Bitmain own a lot. So, if you do a percentage on that, so they, were, they own uh, out of 17.5, you're looking, they own roughly around 6% of the entire supply. So, for them to get out of that, they're going to they're gonna have to dump the price or they get out, out of it over time. But when this news really comes to market, this is really going to, I think it's going to bring a lot of fear into Bitcoin Cash itself. So it'll be interesting to see what takes place to Bitcoin Cash over the next six months. What I managed to dig up as well is a speech from last year at CoinGeek in Hong Kong, where Jihan Wu was speaking about Bitcoin Cash and his kind of thoughts on it as well. So let's jump into that. Um, I think that Bitcoin Cash should uh, try to uh, participate and cultivate and supporting such kind of future that people will be 
uh, able to issue in bonds, stocks, and other uh, financial vehicles on the Bitcoin Cash uh, blockchain. I think it's really interesting because Jihan Wu, um, if you look back, he, he wasn't really kind of a big speaker, right? He didn't really do a lot of speaking gigs. He didn't. He wasn't really out there kind of promoting Bitmain itself, which is okay. Totally, totally get that. But what he did do from the very few amounts of times he was publicly speaking, he spoke about Bitcoin Cash, right? So it was obvious from that as well. You know, he's got some interest in Bitcoin Cash and he's really going out there to try and engage others too as well. I mean, this is really interesting, his, his view on Bitcoin Cash and how he saw the future of it. Uh, we should increase the token-like capabilities. Um, we need to uh, support multiple tokens through very flexible scripting because the programmable uh, language should be able to uh, support uh, like interest, payment, dividends, pays out, and uh, some futures based on uh, the fundamental assets, uh, that's uh, uh, what people are doing on the financial market. And um, to uh, accelerate uh, such kind of uh, uh, market, we, I believe that we need to encourage permissionless innovation. Uh, we need to do faster uh, confirmations and such kind of improvement maybe uh, can be done like a, a side chains. Uh, there are lots of sidechain programs. Maybe our community needs to review it carefully and uh, allocate development resources to enable it. So that's really interesting. He really, he, well, he believed, and what he was saying was that he believed the, the capital markets would move on to blockchain, so your blockchain capital markets, totally see that, totally get it. And they would use that a choice for token Bitcoin Cash because he believed it was program, programmable, it was easy to use, so on and so forth. And then it was kind of going out and being like, well, you know, what does the community think about this? And I think we really need to think very carefully about, you know, about how we do it, right? So he was assuming that that job was already done, that when capital markets moves over, it would probably use Bitcoin Cash, which is, which is quite, quite a statement in itself. And it's really interesting that he came out and he said that without any reservations or any kind of questions with whether they want to use a private protocol or, you know, what that may be, right? But he said the overall capital, the capital markets, and that includes equities, would be moved onto blockchain and that blockchain would be Bitcoin Cash. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a massive statement to say. <laughs> and then go on to say, yeah, we as a community just need to think carefully about it, right? So it's obvious that he was extremely bullish on the matter. So it's really interesting to see where we currently are, right? He's now had hand in his resignation. We haven't really seen, you know, a Bitcoin cash drop, you know, that's out of the ordering, that's out of market lines. So we have to kind of assess the situation as we go. And remember, none of this has been confirmed yet by the company. We're hearing rumors, we're hearing stories, but I mean, it's pretty apparent that he has left. Um, but remember, this is not financial trading advice in any way, shape or form, just our in-house view here at SVK Crypto. So up next, we're going to discuss the EOS referendum. With that in mind, I've brought in Oliver Mayer, our in-house blockchain analyst, to speak about the EOS referendum. So Oliver, what are we seeing on the EOS referendum side? What's new? What do the people need to know? Okay, so... This is really, really exciting news for the whole EOS community. So about 10 hours ago, all the BPs uh, or 15 out of 21 BPs approved the final implementation of the EOS referendum. So the referendum contract uh, had to be deployed in stages and each stage needed to be, de um, to be approved by 15 of the BPs. That's now been done. And if you go on to 
most of the most popular block explorers like blocks.io or if you go to eosvote.io you can see that the referendum contract is live you can access it using your eos account there aren't any um referendums out there but what this what these interfaces allow you to do is to right. propose new uh uh, proposals and the community can now vote on that and it's yeah. really a huge step forward for on-chain governance in blockchain technology that's amazing dude and just out of interest who were the five block producers who didn't vote and you, have they kind of made any statements why they didn't you know what was what was the view there well, uh, there's a, a lot of the block producers, some of them were more active than others. There's no real reason why um, one block producer wouldn't, wouldn't vote over another. It's more just the fact that they're, you know, the 15 fastest block producers who analyze the code and who are most familiar with the code. Um, the, the, the referendum contract was created by a conglomerate of block producers, but m the majority of the work came out of EOS Canada, who I believe are one of the most technically proficient, um, along with EOS Rio, block producers out there so it was really impressive the work that they did and obviously a lot of the other block producers before approving the contract needed to go through the the logic to make sure it was all sound got it and what does this mean as an eos token holder well what it means as an eos token holder is that you're going to be able to have your say on a, on all the topics that uh, are you know currently being discussed in the forums, there'll be a formal process now for voting on these issues and getting them implemented. So anything from changing the constitution to deciding what we should do with the worker proposal fund to changing the inflation of EOSIO, all of these um, all of these are problems or um, questions can be solved on chain uh, through through a, through a token vote. So all people need to do really is utilize that EOS token they're holding and start voting, start getting yeah. involved. I mean, this is, this is really revolutionary, not just for EOSIO, but for blockchain technology as a whole, because this is really the first foray into on-chain governance. And, and, it's, and it's a test in many ways to see how, how on-chain governance in, in DLT works. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how this, all plays, or how this all plays out. Absolutely as well. And while we have you here, I know EOS bets have come out today with some exciting news. Would you be so kind to bring us up to speed of what that news is? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really impressed with the guys over at EOS Bet. They're, they're incredibly forward thinking. Um, one, one of the most impressive development teams out there currently, and they're constantly iterating on what they're doing. So, what they've realised is they want to, they want to enable anybody to come to EOS Bet, whether you have an EOS account or not and play for as long as you want, right? That was the goal. And what they've managed to do now is you can log on to the, to the site. If you have a Scatter account, great. Log in via Scatter and play, no problem. If you don't, it's a simple two-step process to sign up. You don't need to create an account. Um, and after, you, after you've done the simple two steps of putting your username and password, like kind of a standard thing that everyone's used to, you can then start to uh, play EOS Bet. You can actually deposit from multiple different exchanges and sources of funds they're they're looking to in the future accept different types of crypto so for example bitcoin or ethereum and the way that would work was they'd, they'd have like a bitcoin or an ethereum wallet that would hold funds and then in a smart contract on eos they would issue that number of say eos btc in that contract and distribute that to the user so the user could now actually bet with um other types of tokens other than eos which is really impressive and they didn't go into into details like technically about how they implemented it but sure. 
I'm really interested. I think that a lot of the way that they've done this is to, to create a smart contract and within that smart contract have multiple different accounts for each person. And what that means is you don't have to keep creating accounts. It's all done internally and you can actually give access to that account at a later date if someone decides that they do want to create an EOS account. But the beautiful thing is about that is the CPU and the net resources is all controlled by the DAP so the user can, can play for as long as they want and don't have to worry about that at all. So for a user standpoint, it's now become easier. The on-ramp isn't... You don't know. You no longer have to open another account. It's smoother. It's quicker. What does this mean for other projects coming and building on EOS? Like, what what are they what are they really doing that's revolutionary in its own right? Well, I think this is the this is clearly the format and uh, and the procedure of how to create a DAP on EOS now. And, and and EOS Bet have done it, but you know, there's lots of technology behind, say, what Chintai has done. They have an internal accounting system or some of the projects that we're talking to because we're obsessed about creating frictionless experiences and, and, uh, and this is clearly the way that it needs to be done. People aren't going to have EOS accounts straight away and that's not a good enough reason not to let people play or interact. So creating their, their account essentially on behalf of them but without custodying their funds or, or, or taking ownership in any way, it's still totally decentralized. Um, but then having the option to delegate that account to them when, they, when they're kind of invested into the ecosystem to a degree where they feel that that would be necessary. I think that's key. And, and all dApps should look to, to the way EOSBet have done it and to the way that the technology works internally because I think it's going to allow for a frictionless, at least user adoption for apps in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guys at EOSBet, you know, good friends of ours, um, you know, super, super... Uh, knowledgeable on the EOS ecosystem and, and really in a great position. What's your viewpoint? I mean, this is kind of interesting, right? So when we had the internet, you know, the porn industry was the one to really, was the one who created the card payment, right? You couldn't pay with a debit card online without the porn industry because they created the system to do that. That was from, from that industry, right? What do you, what's your view that, you know, EOS we're seeing it from gambling? I mean, it's quite interesting. We're seeing innovation come from, you know, all different areas and all different industries as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's no doubt that the two kind of most played areas on EOS is gambling and then obviously EOS Knights has a, has a pretty impressive user base as well. I think that I don't necessarily think that's indicative of, of where, of where no. blockchain technology will see the most adoption initially. But what I do think is that these apps are obviously easier. The development cycles are shorter. Yeah. And so what we're seeing is that these applications are now the first ones to come across these problems. Yeah. And, and they're actually, and some of the teams are really motivated to solve them. And actually, there is a huge business opportunity in, in, in the gambling sector. Obviously, the regulatory side of things makes it a very kind of um, sketchy investment at this point. But I'm sure in the future, when that's once once that's rolled out, it could be a, an interesting space. Um, I'm I'm looking more to the next six months because I think that for a real serious uh, great application, the development cycle is at least 12 months. So that's when we're going to really start to see some impressive applications that have had serious time and with uh, bigger teams actually develop develop them. And I think that once those come out, you'll see some really interesting use cases as well. And I think what's great as well, especially about the EOS community, is that everyone shares, engages with one another. Mm. So you saw EOS Bet coming out today, announcing this. You know, I, I know the guys are super proactive when people reach out to them. They always want to respond and help out because we're all growing as one. So what, like six months time, you, you talked about use cases. What are you seeing? What do you think, you know, what, what do you think we'll start to see in the blockchain space having adoption? Yeah. 
I think like what, that what's going to clear. I think that for 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 EOS IO, I think where it really shines is in the consumer grade uh, space, uh, the consumer grade applications, and one of the areas that have instantly it have seen a lot of adoption uh, is in the gaming sector. I think that it makes a lot of sense. Uh, blockchain makes a lot of sense in gaming, where it, whether it be like collectible assets. Because right now, if you if you own assets in a game, then in the small print, essentially what it says is that you don't really own that asset. I know you bought it, but the publisher owns it. So there's been you know cases in the past where people have had their items taken away from them, and you know that's kind of been very detrimental to the community because these games rely on people um, purchasing in-game items and having a want for them because that's how they fund themselves. So. Um, they're very incentivized to see if there's a way they can give ownership back to the individuals. It's exactly what blockchain does. I think uh, that's going to be a really interesting use case. The digital collectibles, non-fungible tokens, even what um, Pixios is doing. Um, right. that, that's pretty impressive. With, uh, pretty absolutely, with uh, how you can create digital art and that attaches to a non-fungible token. That's in the digital collectible space. I think we're going to see massive growth in, in that sector for sure if I had to pick one for the next six months. Oh, wow, man. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, really exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Awesome. Thanks for coming in, dude. Appreciate it. No worries. So I want to talk as well about blockchain in China. There's news coming out that China is to regulate blockchain. So China's internet regulator, the Cyberspace Administration of China, the CAC, in a detailed document outlined a final draft of regulations concerning cryptocurrency and blockchain companies. The rule will come into effect starting February 19th and provide a set of guidelines that blockchain companies are required to follow. So this is interesting. Is this going to stop blockchain growth in China? Is the regulator really going to squish away um, the, the innovation we're seeing over there? Or is this going to encourage innovation? But what this really is about is surveillance and the Chinese government having control over what's going on there. Um, you saw that with the internet. You're starting to see it with blockchain, something that you know they're struggling to control. So regulating it is that a way that they have more control over the space and they can see what's going on and and they can they can have a lot of power within that. So it'll be really interesting to see what's coming out of China in the next six months in particular. Um, so that's definitely a space we're watching at the minute. I know there's um, there's lots of great developers over there. There's been great block producers that have come from China. There's been great. Um, innovation that we've been seeing on a daily basis coming from there so you know hopefully this doesn't stop i don't think it will but it'll be interesting to see the effects that regulating quote unquote the space will have and how they're going to do it so we're keeping we'll keep you guys up to speed with that one with that in mind we couldn't do this podcast while mentioning our upcoming event blockchain in 2019 what you need to know this is taking place on the 29th of this month that's right, the 29th of January. It's going to be held at WeWork Bishopsgate. Um, speaker's going to be Shane Kehoe, co-founder of SVK Crypto, myself, Charles Story, Oliver Mayer, whose lovely voice you heard earlier on, our in-house blockchain analyst. We may even throw a couple of the speakers there as well. It's going to be a really, really engaging evening. We've, we've put a lot of thought, we've put a lot of hard work into this event. We're really, really uh, excited to showcase this event to you guys. It's our first event. It's very important to us that... Um, it's, it's incredibly value add. So we're really, really excited to do that. It's a great event, not only if you're looking to learn more, but it's a great event if you're looking to connect within the community, you're looking to meet the London community, we're going to bring down everyone we know to the event. Um, so if you're in London town, it is the place to be. From my understanding, I've been looking around on a few different sites, I don't see many events really taking place in January. So for that itch that you have to go to an event here in London in January, 
that's uh, going to be educational, it's going to be entertaining, and you're going to have a great time. Come down to SVK's next event. The best way to find that is on our Telegram. It's the pin message at the top. Tickets are selling incredibly fast. If you've been to any other of our events, you know we always bring a packed house. So to make sure that you've got your ticket and we can make sure that you're in the building, it's not us, it's the fire safety hazards because we bring down so many people that um, we've we've been warned by WeWork not to break the fire hazards uh, amounts so we've been restricted sadly so listen make sure you're there make sure you get your ticket it's the pin message on our telegram if you haven't got that um our telegram group is svk crowd or if you haven't got telegram feel free to shoot me over an email c story c s t o y at svk crypto.com with that in mind that's a wrap i gotta bounce we've got a super super exciting week coming up um, I look forward to hearing all your responses. The best way to get hold of me is either Telegram. My Telegram is at Charles, but the best place to reach me is on our Telegram group, SVK Crowd, or you can email myself, cstory, C-S-T-O-R-R-Y, at svkcrypto.com. That is a wrap, and I've got to bounce. <laughs>